the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 24 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way, including considering the events of the past week, a segment for Stop Asian Hate Awareness. Consider this your trigger warning and strap in. Come on in, take a seat. Savages. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com, but on this year's program, we break down high-level MMA, and that's what we're going to do here today from top to bottom uh, for UFC uh, on ESPN 22, UFC Vegas 24, uh, UFC Whitaker versus Gastelum. Check the notes and timestamps for when that starts. I will break that down from top to bottom as per usual on these breakdown shows and as per usual on these breakdown shows. Uh, whether you're listening to the audio version on YouTube, like, give it a subscribe, Daniel Tom MMA, or listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, appreciate the five-star ratings and reviews. You can check the show notes there for when the breakdown starts or go to the very end if you want to listen to less of me, which I don't blame you. <laughs> and um, as well as, you know, if you're just in a rush because, of course, this is going to be an expedited edition. I'm going to try to keep it as short as I can. Uh, so I'll recap my picks and plays at the very end. Um just warning off the top, I guess. You know, it's sad that I even say warning or apologies in advance. I should not, but I do anyways for those wanting to get mad. Hey, at least know that I understand. Um, but yeah, I, there's going to be some notes off the top. Again, it's it's uh, it's it's it, you know I'm not going to play my violin here, but yeah, it's been been a crazy week both like medically and and doctor wise stuff. So like I've essentially been in just like constant pain. And then whenever I turn on my phone uh, to, to try to go do work or make sure to see what fights are canceled, um, my replies have been a mess because, you know, as your boy tends to do, is one of the only people in this space, sadly, fighter, fan, media alike, and shouts to those who do, which I will try to shout here. Of course, your boy is one of the only people that, like, tries to remind people that Asian people are, are human beings, too. With the old stab Asian hate, and I know people are like, oh, Jesus, here we go, we're getting political. And, um, you know, even though I, I'm not, I don't like to do this, folks, I didn't even want to do the podcast. I didn't even want to do this podcast the last couple of weeks. It's just been, it's, it's been really getting me down. And people are like, oh, you're soft and hurt. What does that have to do with MMA? Well, now we have a fighter um, injecting it into MMA, injecting politics, injecting Asian hate. Kind of proving my point, and yet people still, um, you know, up in the replies, the, the racism denial that is very prevalent in the MMA space. And I'm not saying, you know, racism needs to take over your life or look at it that way. I mean, shoot, man, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still thriving. My family's still thriving, and even though that could be taken as some kind of bootstrap story, um, as they often are or interpreted or can be, uh, that's not what I'm trying to do uh, I'm just trying to let you know that I don't let it or trying to let it you know ruin my days or nights but uh, you know to be honest yeah uh, it, it's been a bit tough um now according to the internet that makes me soft you know uh for you know speaking out about you know 
human lives or humans being untargeted, unfairly targeted for how they look, which is essentially what, you know, detaching the politics, since y'all love to detach politics, but oddly are really quiet when Rose goes better dead than red. Um, yeah, what's detached politics for a second even? Just to prove my point and to not ruffle the feathers. And again, you guys listening to this are, are like, I don't know why I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are some of the most kind people. Um, and I think I've already vetted that through just, you know, just doing a couple episodes. I mean, you just have to speak once about it. As you can see, you will get fucking flooded in this community. But um, even though I've over-delivered from week-to-week shows, even though... I've avoided the McGregor and Jake Paul news uh, for years now and all these things. Like, there's a secret why I don't talk about these common current events that get over-talked about on every other podcast. I actually do the, I actually do one of the podcasts that, aside from my weird sense of humor, I stick to sports more than most. Um, so that ratio still holds strong. However, it doesn't matter. Um, ratios, as you can see, people still going to think the way they think. And that's fine. I'm not trying to make anybody think any way, much less about politics. You guys know that's not my deal. Um, I only speak out when people are unfairly targeted, and I brought the same energy. And in fact, I did even more when BLM was was going around. And for the people thinking I'm soft for for just speaking out with fact based things, uh, citing fact based issues, um, if that's upsetting people to call make 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 me soft, then I guess I'm soft. But then I don't know what that means when like I actually you know when when I, when I was you know. And maybe I have shed tears for this. I don't know. I'm just so fucking worn down from the MMA space. But yeah, I remember shedding tears watching George Floyd get murdered. That make me fucking soft too. It made me soft for getting upset seeing people joke about that guy's murder like fucking a year later after we were reminded that racism is alive and well and people still denying that shit. It hurts. And even though, you know, I've said this before, the stereotype of MMA space and just reply guy TMs that whether it's regarding women... Issues regarding women or race, which is relevant to the Rosen Whaley thing. And I'm sorry, I'm speaking because not enough people do or they're speaking about it very wrongly. And uh, I just, I, you know, and, and after being accused of being a fucking communist now, apparently, I, I got to at least defend myself here a bit, folks. So I'm sorry, bear with me. You guys are awesome. And rounding out to that point and to the point made previously that it's usually, ironically enough, white dudes that are, you know, questioning racism in my replies, as the joke is when it comes to issues of race or women's issues. Those guys seem to be the arbiter. But uh, to show that I'm not, you know, again, I really want to work towards solidarity here, not just as a word, but actually. And just to show that, that not, you know, getting, you know, that I, although I'm addressing these things, I don't mean all, all white people are bad or all black people are bad or all this or that or whatever because that's obviously stupid and wrong but like you want to know some of the most compassionate people that have been in my dms as far as listeners to the shows friends of the space and whatnot um a lot of white uh, all white guys pretty much you know from uh, american canadian uh jewish not jewish um so i don't want anybody to feel alienated listening to this show um uh, majority of my friends are white I am I am half of uh, uh, or not half but you know a, a good chunk almost half of a, of a amalgamation of Caucasians Nordic Irish Italian you know um in no way am I trying to alienate anybody man in fact you know uh, to my sample size you know white guys as we like to attack and have been the target have been some of the most compassionate to me personally so do not misconstrue this um, because, you know, what even hurt most was, like, there was a dude who was, like, you know, 
and you never know because there's a couple dudes who are like, I'm half Asian or I'm half, and you don't know that. And they're citing it like meaningfully, and it's like, oh, okay, it's only making you look more dumb the fact that you can't see these issues then. But there was a dude like, like, you know, you know, there's a black dude, and he had BLM in his profile, and a bunch of pro NBA stuff, and LeBron, and and was lecturing me on how anti-Asian racism isn't real. And not just in his profile, he goes timeline. He even retweeted some of the articles that I retweeted, you know, about another cop murdering a black brother or sister. Of course, it was a brother, a male. I'm sure you guys heard. Fucking anyways. And just that really pissed me off. And so shared something about qualified immunity as I actually wrote an article about that. You know, people accusing me, aren't you in a position? It's like... Dude, I can barely even get my articles read on Junkie if you look at the numbers. Because y'all are just too busy clicking on Twitter beefs and Jake Paul stuff. Like, it's so hard to even get actual analysis for you stick to sports crowd, by the way. Like, much less my stupid voice here, which I probably shouldn't even be preaching on my podcast and further weeding out my listeners. But uh, I have. I have put my money where my mouth is more than most, you know. Which is ironic considering the spaces of martial arts space. You know, martial arts... Whatever happened to that fallacy of self-defense and stopping bullying and respect to Asian culture that was into that was integrated if you would do martial arts in the 90s? And don't get me wrong, that could be taken the wrong way too. There could be that whole master and abusive dogma and, you know, that whole weird woo-woo sense. And it, Asians are just, you know, just as guilty as anyone else when it comes to that, okay? Uh, but talking about the actual culture, the, the, the genuine culture and respect that did come from martial arts. And it's almost like, man, maybe the people that were uh, you know, upset with Bruce Lee for bringing it to the States at a point. Because now, yeah, after MMA took off, it's just like, there's no mentions of, and I'm guilty of it too. Um, you know, of all the martial arts I follow, one, and Asian fighters are seem to be the last. So folks, like, I, 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 this shit runs so deep that I'm guilty of it too. And now it's just like we're non-existent. We're just as invisible as we were when I grew up in the world. You know? Um, as history has kind of written us to be. Um, and that's why it really hurts to see like all these people all of a sudden selectively woke about China now going, don't you know that communist... When it's not even about that, it's about judging a face for how they look for one. That's what the Rose and Whaley thing is about, folks. That's the problem. Anti-Asian hate is real. There's facts, there's statistics, there's video evidence, there's anecdotal, there's all of the above. Check, check, check. They even had measurements of how every time, you know, Trump said it, it, it things went up. And and again, you know, fucking, it's not a left or right thing, man. Believe me, as, as I've said before, and as is being proven now, um... They're, they're, both sides are fucking evil, man, and we're seeing that. Um, so I, I could care less about that shit. It's not about politics for me, folks. Um, I'm not defending communism in my post, nor did I, which is the crazy thing. But everybody turns it into that because they just can't see racism, much less racism especially, toward an Asian face, which was why I brought up the person, um, you know, the black guy with the BLM lecturing me about how anti-Asian racism isn't real and how China is bad, yet he has MB. A shit all in his profile 
And if you guys thought I got sidetracked, and which another thing that made me a lot less fans and followers by talking bad about, oh my God, talked bad about Shaq or Shaq and Chuck on their longstanding thing on TNT and being racist toward Asians. It's like, that's a product of that, dude. That dude grew up with the same shit that I grew up with. Except he didn't have a problem with it because his idols were saying it and made it okay. Now this person is an adult. And for all the people that are like anti-China legitly or whatever, like, you all know how problematic the business and stuff and that those dealings that kind of started going public for what was it, 2019 or whatever. I forget when it really was catching people's eyes in the mainstream media. I'm like, this guy's lecturing me about China. And most of these people have never been there. You know, where were you guys when I was in college in the early 2000s and they were handing out flyers when they d discovered that the Chinese people were still the Chinese government was still experimenting on their people, that they were finding people mutated with missing organs. Mass grave sites that rivaled the ones that the Japanese did in World War II, which, by the way, the numbers don't officially, and I'm not trying to split hairs because they're both awful, the numbers don't officially outweigh what the Germans did to the Jews. But what China was doing to Japan in that time and testing their nuclear weapons, stringing pregnant women up to poles for their bayonet practices, taking them on the marches that would make what America did them into the Native Americans put to shame. That's just not in the fucking history books here in America. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about their genocide. Like, so if you want to talk about the Chinese government, A, focus on the Chinese government, B, know your shit, and C, most importantly of all, if, according to your logic and these historical facts that y'all love, that they're so bad, why aren't we sympathizing with the Chinese people for just years of persecution, man? Because just like the Russians, who Rose should have an issue with, because it was the USSR regime that um, offended, you know, created the offenses to her Lithuanian family members that she's citing, the Russians, too, in World War II had camps for their own people. I mean, yes, I'm not defending these governments, by any means. But why can't we have sympathy for the people? Which is why I always have sympathy, so much sympathy, and it's not a surprise that from my mother to now me, I was just talking about this, like most of our friends in mainland America, we've gravitated toward Italians and mainly Jews, Jewish people. And it's because from family style, how they eat, how they take care of their family, um... You know, the stereotypes of managing money even are actually very synonymous with both Chinese and Jewish people. For, so we even share the, I don't want to say negative stereotype, but yes, it's used it's used toward us as a negative stereotype. You know, that's why I'm hesitant to use the word Jew because that you can't, you, oh, you're trying to Jew me down? And, and I, 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 I apologize if that triggered anybody, but for what it's worth growing up in Hawaii, Chinese were looked at similar ways. In fact, you would say, oh, you're trying to Chang him? Oh, Chang him? Oh, this guy's fucking Chang. He's tight like a Chang. So there's a lot of understanding that us Chinese have for Jewish people, not the least of which I think the unspoken theme being, you know, um, persecution throughout human history, documenting human history, no matter the politics, no matter the places, no matter the time in history. Uh, Jewish people and, and Chinese people have been disproportionately uh, pretty, you know, so, just so, so it really hurts to see people just not treat someone like Whaley as a, as a person. Um, and it shows, you know, from the Asian submission, submissiveness and, uh, you know, to foreigners or how it gets turned into the model minority myth once you become an Asian American, uh, how it supports these things, you know, saying Rose saying she has no freedom of what she can say, which is which was the tired conspiracy conjecture I was referring to. And it's just ironic because they share the same manager, a Chinese 
manager, a first-generation Chinese manager. His dad was straight from China, a lot of Chinese roots. And I don't know the family history, because I believe it's from Hong Kong. Uh, Brian Butler, who's, who's a, is a gentleman, nothing but a true pro. I have nothing bad to say about him, and I just hope he gets it in Rose's ear as an Asian, an Asian man, a manager, a smart man. Um, and I don't know his history or his stance. Maybe he doesn't like communism, too, or whatever. That's totally cool. But apparently he doesn't like it not enough to work with Whaley and make money off her, right? Which is the ironic part, you know? We, we, from martial arts to managers to fighters themselves, like Rose Namajunas, who, you know, Wei Li, when asked about Rose, not only did she say that nice thing, that visual clip that's going around, what stands out to me about the visual clip is how she says she likes Rose because she does things like Chinese Wing Chun. She's looking for things to relate. And Rose, who did, started off with karate, Japanese to, you know, still embracing Chinese arts like Wing Chun, um, you know, as well as embracing, embracing black culture with the, the word thug in her name, despite you know, constantly saying in interviews on the way up how she was, you know, kind of the white victimhood. I was the only white person and all these other flags that we kind of should have seen. Um, I'm not Mr. Appropriation guy, but that's the word. Whether you like the word, whether it triggers you, the fact is, by definition, cultural appropriation. Case and example exists because of shit like this. You can take the martial art and love it. You can use it to make money and help you personally with your mental health. And then make money off of that. And do all these things. But you can't acknowledge a Chinese person with, for a Chinese person. Instead, we acknowledge a, a, a Chinese person as some government. Some government that wasn't even responsible for what they did to your people. And what's missing, and I've shared this in the replies of my tweet, is that the part of history that she seems hung up on, and that she's factually wrong about hanging on Whaley if we want to dive back into the political now, um, was that the Lithuanians were the better dead. I forget Bertrand. Shout out, by the way, to a more educated person that can speak on this stuff than me because I too, folks, have to still further educate myself. I'm not beyond it. Um, at stuff from Sam, Sam Yang, um, I believe it was someone, Bertrand, who is the better dead from red quote or better read than dead quote, which bums me out. Even my, you know, all the outlets using that, and it's catchy, and now people are saying it because people parrot things like, yeah, baby, when Austin Powers come out, and they're treating the same thing with something that spreads hatred, and people are like, there's no racism there. She used the word better dead than read what Whaley is. I don't, I, I don't know how serious I take her saying she hopes she can become friends, or whatever she phrased it at the end of the interview, which the only reason she said that, it doesn't matter if she even used the right words, because at that point the damage was done, A. But the only reason she said that is because the interview injected that. So people citing that need to keep keep aware of that. And But what she leaves out when she doubles down on these statements, when she's had time to think about these statements, she doubles down to Ariel Hawani, a Jew, is that the part of history that she's hung up on, the better dead than red guy, they ended up choosing the Nazis over the communists. And, you know, choosing lesser of two evils is something you can't, you can't choose if you're people are going to defend that, right? Well, well, how it's not their fault. It was the country they're in. Stop, hold that thought, and turn it around back to the relevant fucking thing we're talking about. If that's true, then why the fuck are you questioning? Why the fuck are we blaming Whaley? But, okay, let's just go for a second. They chose the Nazis. And not only did they choose the Nazis for, for people that are quick to, to defend here, but as a result... 90%, what was it, over 200,000? I don't know how what it was. 90% of Lithuanian Jews were murdered because of that. 
So, yeah, yeah, Rose, let's focus on that part of history. And let's double down on it to a Jew. And I don't know if Ariel was aware of that. And it's, you know, I don't know if it's an access media thing of, of why, you know, certain media people are, 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 are really scarce to say things. And I'm friends with these people. And even with Ariel, Ariel's one of the few media people. And I respect it because say what you will, he's got a big platform. We need people like Ariel speaking up, people with big platforms. He is one of the few, like I, few as in I can count on one fucking hand and I've been paying attention, who has said anything, acknowledging things to stop, acknowledging stop Asian hate, much less saying it on their timeline. So I'm not coming at these people. Um, I just wish people were more educated as far as how this shit goes, you know, and why Rose is wrong on even on a non-political level, on a human being level, on a factual level, on a historical level, and yes, on a political level. She contradicts herself every step of the way. She has a right to feel how she wants to feel. I'm not challenging that. I'm not defending communism. I'm not telling her she can't motivate herself in any way that she chooses. But when you do have a platform, um, I mean, first of all, whether you have a platform or not, you should you know, maybe not say racist stuff or stuff that spreads and fuels racism when it's at an all-time high. Anti-Asian sentiment, anti-Asian statements when they're at an all-time high, first of all. Much less when you have a platform. Much less when you're given a chance to correct yourself and you know, uh, sharpen your message. Save your fan base. You know, because we're all here to make money off martial arts, right? I know not all martial arts are Asian, but a majority of them are. And there's a big, you know, <sighs> colonial, for lack of better words, efforts that, you know, it was brought over in and appropriated. And look at the fucking yoga scene, Jesus. But, um, I mean, it, it's, it, it just sucks, man. We all, we're all here to make money and enjoy martial arts, but yet I'm not telling you to go fucking... Put stop Asian hate nearby. I'm not asking you guys to do that. I'm not asking you again to go fucking enter your bankroll at your local sushi shop and suck off the chef when you're done. I'm not asking for any of that, but like, I'm just asking, like, can we, can we recognize Asians no matter what country they're from as human beings first? And before we feel like, you know, tweeting out that there's no racism and all these things, maybe let's just stop. Listen to what people have to say. God forbid, look in the mirror a little. As I need to do those things too, and I'm not beyond those. And, and maybe things can can start to get a little better. You know, because there's a lot more anti-imperialist and history with American stuff that we could be judged for, and I'm glad we're not. And if you're Mr. Pro-American and military, well, I, I come from a military family. And despite what happened to Hawaii and how Asians were treated and written out of the history books, um, it didn't stop uh, my grandfather, who I'm going to go bury in Hawaii this summer, from, as a teenager, running to Hickam Air Force Base, dropping the, all the supplies from the market for their family, him and his friends, to go help from the Japanese Zeros attacking and having his friend gunned down in front of him. And he would later join the military and take part of helping rebuild Japan after what we did to it. And my other grandpa helped, was a bit older and architecturally savvy as an engineer and could help with some stuff as far as repairing boats for Pearl Harbor and later went on to serve this country, China, both Chinese men, Chinese. And he helped America beat the Russians 
to become, because he was an engineer on our first nuclear submarine, the Nautilus. But another thing that how this ties in MMA, tell me this familiar folks, America wanted to be first because being first, no matter what the health consequences of human beings are, is more important. And because we wanted to be first, we built our submarine without a cap on it for the nuclear reactor, causing a 60% upward spike of radiation exposure to the American crew compared to the Soviet crew. And which is where my grandfather got a weird form of Parkinson's um, where he just really died a slow death. And we were happy that he died by the time because it was just fucking miserable. Go look that up. But hey, we were first. We were first. So there's a lot to take in with this event that's going to happen next week of being the first crowd with crowds back in Florida, which a lot of the people butt hurt because I was talking about. I'm like, y'all know Florida's been at the butt of so many jokes, but the fact that <laughs> I bring y'all up and you guys don't have the the greatest record there. Um, you know. <laughs> um, but the fact that I bring y'all up, uh yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of people getting butt hurt. And I know a lot of good dudes in Florida, by the way. So it's it's not a blanket statement. Um I just was more referencing to my fear for safety. You know, for any Asians in the crowd. Not even just Whaley and her team, because, you know, you know, if you think people can tell the difference, no, they can't. They can't tell the difference from Asians. They can't even tell from Latinos and Asians. You know how many times I've been come up to on a, when I work construction on a job site? Especially because I'm brown, people go, excuse me, senor? Which is why I, I'm sympathetic to my brown brothers and sisters, my, my my Latin brothers and sisters, because just for being brown, I've had to experience, I've had to get taste of what they have to feel every day. And that bullshit. So yeah, um, I probably should have a lot less empathy and more compassion, as my man Sam says, because it, it, it can lead you down a path. However, I still stand by that, that this world could use a little more empathy. And what we should be working toward is solidarity, working together. No matter if you're black, white, Asian, we should all be working toward the same thing, man, and not letting the bullshit distract us. So thank you for those of you who are still fucking listening, who haven't unsubscribed. I can only imagine my listenership's taking a drop. Thank you for those of you who already were treating Asians like human beings and this wasn't an issue. But we all could do better, including myself. You know. Um, I, I'm not beyond bullshit either, folks. You know, and I, I need to educate myself better too. So I'm just pointing out the, the complete hypocrisy of the stick to sports, the political injection, and Asian hate because... This whole thing with Rosen Whaley and the reaction from it. You could say what you will about my, my last episodes previous, but they kind of proved it kind of proved it right. You don't have to like me or what I'm saying, but I'm saying it for a reason, clearly. It is tied into what we do. So yeah, while I'm still doing this job, let's do the job. Twenty seven minutes, Jesus Christ. Alright. Should edit this into two episodes, but I'm not. I'm just gonna push through and make y'all fucking hate me for doing that. Um, Bellator 256 recap. Uh, pretty much Cody Law, Dalton Hosta made me look good on my uh, Dark Horses Bellator article. Um, shout out to Spencer Kite, by the way, because uh, a lot of our fighters have been fighting and looking uh, good. So that episode we did as age well. 
And then Vader won um, by decision, which I predicted. Uh, Belter 257 happens tonight as I'm recording this day of. Uh, I surprised myself. I hate picking Bellator. And you always pick the favorites to be safe, but I ended up on the dogs for the Grand Prix picks. Yagi Mordov. Basically, just by first round knockout or bust, it is for him. And I picked that to happen because I just can't trust Corey, who will put himself in harm's way. I ended up taking Dev Davis, despite you know being one of the early people on Nemkov and picking Nemkov the first time they fought. Just because I still haven't seen Nemkov have to show meaningfully show multiple layers defensively or offensively of grappling, much less over the course of three rounds, and we still haven't had to see him go three rounds since he faded against Davis and ended up in mount position. So, till I see it, I can't pick it. So I'm going to go tortoise in the hair and pick the tortoise. Uh, as I keep, The hair will be faster, but I can't trust him to not fuck up the race. So, there's that. UFC on ABC2 recap. Um, seven and six overall in picks. One and two in straight plays. One and zero in parlay pieces. And then I ended up doing two and two in straight plays because I jumped on certain things that I told you I would. Um, if the price got low enough, like it did for Daniel Rodriguez and Mike Perry, which we'll get to in a second. But the card is headlined by Marvin Vittori and Kevin Holland. Another impromptu middleweight matchup. Vittori beats Holland by decision. That's what I... Called for, um, not a surprise there. Arnold Allen defeated Sadiq Yosef by decision. I should have picked Allen. I always like the southpaws, and I did cite the southpaws could be a problem. I think that suspicion has been confirmed. Congrats to Arnold Allen. And again, it was, I didn't uh, play Yosef. It wasn't a, a confident pick. As, like I also said with the podcast with Spencer Kite, we said Arnold Allen was is, is still no joke, even though we were building up Mads Brunel, who also fights tonight over at Bellator. So we'll see how that goes. Julian Marquez defeated Sam Alvey, RNC. Um, I wasn't on the submission prop this time, but grats if you were. I was on, I, I did end up taking Marquez on something that made me some cash on the side because his line only got lower. Um, Mackenzie Dern uh, defeated Nina Nunez by submission. I was wrong with that one. Um, but I mean, it's just one of those where it was. He, he, you're not surprised that Dern submitted Nunez. I don't think anybody is, regardless of how you picked it. It was just the fact that Dern didn't have a meaningful wrestling game, and the stats nor didn't really support that. So one of those things, you can't pick it until you see it, but she shows it, and she needed to show it. So uh, deservedly excited for Dern. Daniel Rodriguez D-Rod, which I'm pretty sure is a name about his dick, uh, defeated Mike Perry via a decision. Um, I get why people would take the plus money stab on Perry. He was training on Masters, actually came in looking in shape. Um, but again, like I said, Southpaws who can counter can be problematic. Uh, thanks for the shout. Amber Dixon, who listens to the show, give her a follow, by the way. She's awesome. Um, and give me a shout on there for that one. Uh, Joe Selecki defeated Jim Miller. Mina Son by decision. I should have put the decision prop. I just have a problem playing against Miller because I always sprinkle on him, even though I pick against him as an analyst. So hopefully you didn't go off the cliff and you listen to the analysis there, not my heart. Gamrot defeated Scott Holtzman's second-round KO. That was really nice. Hope Scotty's okay. John McDessie defeated Ignacio Bahamundes. He keeps hanging around, hanging, hanging around. There's McDessie. Um, Jarges Danho <laughs> makes us all look like idiots for writing him off, defeating Yagen. Yagen de Castro. Chuck, I had a double burger. Jack Shore defeated Hunter Azur via split decision. Um... Closer than I expected, but also expect to be a decision. Uh, I my another prospect of mine to get, or Spencer's, I should say, I was on his list. Give Spencer the credit there. Although, 
I support the, uh, supremely back Spencer's take there, as I did at the betting window. Jack Shore comes through. Luis Saldana defeated Jordan Griffin. Unanimous decision. Um, I had it for Griffin. I don't think it was an all-out robbery. But the problem is, whether you're saying robbery or you're overcorrecting the steering wheel the other way, is there's the keyword there. There's still, that's a perfect example, of overcorrecting the steering wheel, not giving you anything, despite even Griffin going after it at the end with a late takedown, back take, and sub attempt to kind of just dress it up for the judges. But even when you draw it up in crayon, unless you make them submit, you get, or severely bloody them, you get no credit for any grappling or striking you do. Um, so again, I'm glad we're moving toward damage, but I wish people would admit, acknowledge that there's a bit overcorrecting the steering wheel. Really devaluing grappling going on, which bums me out. Da Jung, though, didn't stop him from uh, taking it to thick Willie Knight. Um, hey, man, Asians needed a win, so uh, even though I was on the wrong side of that one, happy to see you. Happy to see uh, Asian doing well, putting a win streak. Hopefully he gets some uh, some shine and a step up. And Thick Willie does not need a step up. That dude needs some time to step up his game. And I say that with love. Um, I still love Thick Willie, by the way. I'm not all butthurt about him losing or anything like that. Or a fickle fan. I'm still a fan of Thick Willie, baby. You know that. You know this. Um, but yeah. I wouldn't want him taking too big of a step up there. Impica Sanganai defeated uh, Sasha Platnikov. Shout out to my man Chris there. One of the listeners and uh, supporters of this show. Um, even though it, it, it just hurt my heart to just kind of just see people tell there's no racism and then having racism to like, you know, all this shit stuff thrown at me. There were highlights on Twitter and I retweeted one of them and I'm glad Impa did as well, man. Staying connected with the fans. I mean, if you don't think Impa's a good dude, you can just, you know, you can just go straight to straight to Satan's land. Because, uh, man, Impa is just salt of the earth, and we need more fighters like this guy. And so it's just extra cool to see, you know, speaking of salt of the earth, um, you know, not just a fan or supporter of the show. guy I've actually met, uh, Chris, uh, so leave it at that. But, like, you know, he's got a beautiful, healthy cute it's all hell baby boy um which is great to see you know the, the, the finer things in life you got to appreciate folks but he sends me this video and you guys will see at dan tom mma mma um they retweeted it and like it's his son like doing like punches and kick it kicks to the tv and getting all stoked um for impa and apparently the kid like uh will now start throwing punches and kicks and that's his way of telling his dad that he wants to watch ufc so i love shit like that man i just i love it i love it i hope that, that's all. That's all Dan Tom wants. He just want. He just wants some feel good stuff. You know, we can laugh. We can have a good time. But you know, just appreciate the humanity in life. Is all I'm saying. I don't give a shit about politics or colors of your skin. Just, hey man, fucking appreciate the good shit. Uh, and that was such good. Shout out to Chris for sharing that, man. That was a much needed, much needed uh, positive input. Okay, so now we're gonna jump over to uh, UFC on ESPN 22. 34 minutes. This will be quick. Um, yeah. All right. This card's headline. Check out my main event breakdown that just dropped. Uh, by, well, why Robert Whitaker minus 250. Come back on Kelvin Gastelum plus 210. Took Whitaker by decision the first time around. Took him by this time around too. Uh, not just because of the adjustments and even the on-the-fly adjustments. Like I, I shared that clip of you know him sp- spotting uh, Darren Till's tie shorts tell, you know. Where he tugs up his shorts and he just launches a one-two and drops him in the second round of their fight. 
Um, but more so is that he seems to like open stands matchups. Whitaker, when he has them, he is 4-0 against UFC-level lefties. Uh, but more specifically, not just overall striking flow, but since Yoel Romero hurt his knee that first time, so the second Yoel Romero fight till that recent till fight, uh, Southpaws, right? He has now made that like an objective number one to really hurt his opponent's legs. And he does that much better and defends much better, as we saw in the Jared Cannonier, who was attacking a lot from orthodox, unorthodox crime, right? Uh, but he does a lot better both at defending and, ironically enough, it's usually the opposite fighters, but he does better at attacking the leg despite the open stance styling. Um, and not that MMA math is something you should bank on, but when Kelvin Gaslam fought Darren Till, uh, aside from uh, the ineffective clinch stuff, which I believe Gaslam's worked on, it looks like he's kind of trended back toward wrestling. Um, aside from that, the reason why Darren Till really won is he was lightening up uh, Gastelum's leg anytime they were at range. So I suspect that that's going to be the case here. Whitaker's going to light up Gastelum's leg. He will be the faster of the two. He will be the better adjuster of the two. And even though I like to see Gastelum trending toward his wrestling and that level-changing threat, if he applies it, should, in theory, help his striking. Uh, as we've seen, you know, Whitaker's wrestling defense is super strong. He's been using his wrestling offense more, but it's hard to say because... You know, you could criticize that he's not been super dominant or clean with his takedowns, or when he does, he hasn't been clean with his control time because uh, he's usually looking to inflict damage. But it's another reason is, like, a lot of times he is just looking to inflict damage, especially when he uses those transitionary single legs to spin, get center cage position, and strike off the break. Really cool move he does. Uh, either way, I, I don't think that Gastelum, despite actually coming from an American wrestling base, We'll get the better of Robert Whitaker, who has developed quietly into a very good wrestler. So I'm going to go with Whitaker by decision. However, the southpaw killer is the left hook. You can only bank on a good chin for so long. Kelvin Gaston's been through a lot of wars. Let's just say that, especially because he's taking it on short notice, if Whitaker's really feeling himself, he could become the first person to stop Gaston with a left hook in rounds four or five. I'll leave it at that. But the official pick is by decision. I haven't played him. I haven't played much. I've been kind of... Uh. Uh, next fight, Andre Orlovsky minus 120. Chase Sherman plus 100. Did not do any tape study for this one. I apologize, folks. I probably shot my listenership in the foot. I, believe me, my goal is to just get back to studying tape and just doing this show like I normally do, how I built my name. But again, like I explained off the top of the show, that can't open my timeline without some racist bullshit. Anyways, I'm not trying to blame it. It's my fault for not coming for coming short ultimately. So sorry, uh, but I'm taking Orlovsky there. I think he's gonna. I'm the, you know. I think he's gonna take him to school. Um, despite his age, uh, better cardio, better lasting ability, and the power is not gonna. There's not much of a power differential. Austin Hubbard minus 185. Dakota Bush plus 160. I actually selected Bush. Um, I, this is one of the few fights I actually watched some fights on. I watched some of Dakota Bush's stuff. And it's hard because you're like, oh, Hubbard survived this guy. How's he going to get choked out by Selecki? Then he gets choked out by Selecki in the first round. But then as we saw, as crafty as Selecki is, you know, he doesn't have the most complete game either, right? And um, he's a specialist. And unless you're also a specialist like a Jim Miller, 
who can hold the, the proverbial door, if you will, at least enough not to get finished and maybe not enough to win, then, you know, Slucky, you know, can be put in a boring fight. Whereas Dakota Bush is definitely a specialist. He actually wrestled. I forget what his credentials were. But from early on, looks like a guy just really took the, the taking the back. That's a specialty. Really good rear naked choke. And that's what you got to do against Hubbard because Hubbard, it's weird because you're like, oh, he's fighting against Davi Hamos. If you look at it, Davi Hamos was, was like working on a striking that fight. I don't think he even took Hubbard down to like the end of the round uh, or end of the third round, even at that, right? Like he struck with him pretty much the whole fight. And when Hubbard does get up from getting takedowns, it's his get up ability more than his counter wrestling. And he does the counter the version of how John Crouch instills in his fighters of uh, the cage get up, tripoding against the cage with a wrist control. Um, except he does it in a more of an inviting way to the back, which is not good against a back take specialist. So I'm actually going to take Dakota Bush. Looks like he's in shape despite taking this fight on a bit short notice. Looks like he's been training and staying ready, if you will. Uh, deceptively, you know, more experienced than maybe you would off first glance. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually, I'll am actually i probably sprinkle a little bit just put my money where my mouth is. It's one of the few fights I actually watched some tape on. But um, I'll take him for a fast start in the small cage on Hubbard. Um, next fight, Bartosz Vodinski minus 120. GM3, Gerald Sharp plus 100. Not too super confident in it. There's probably some bias for sure playing into it, as I am one of the few people who admit my biases, as I do for GM3. Cooper Trouba himself, but I'm going to take GM3 um, over the spoiler for Binsky. Although Fabinski is going to try and may succeed in controlling him for a large part of this fight. I think GM3 could pull out a submission or hurt him on the feet and, and make some things happen. And, well, let's just hope that the judges are staying consistent with not rewarding wrestling where there's no advancements or damage because that's like Fabinski's game. So if they're overcorrecting the steering wheel, a guy like Fabinski should have a very uphill battle no matter what the fight is, even if they're stylistic pathways, which there are. But again, I'm going to go with a more damaging and dangerous fighter, both on the feet and on the floor. And if you hope that he doesn't get the finish, that the judges stay consistent with that energy and reward him for that. Next fight, Jakar Close, plus 100. Jeremy Little, Heathen Stevens, minus 120. Um, agree here, hoping the line flips so you get Jeremy Stevens at some plus money. I'll take Stevens here. Uh, Jakar Close is actually going to have to fight against type to win this one. He's a clinch and make it ugly guy. And Stevens deceptively uh, strong in the clinch with counter wrestling, especially from the clinch. You got to do well timed shots to take down Stevens. Um, even if you're a bigger guy like Close, which I don't think there's going to be much of a size difference. Stevens was stripping his body down unneededly to 145 for years now. Um, I'm surprised he didn't make this jump back up sooner, to be honest. I'm happy to see it. I'll take Stevens here. We'll probably sprinkle on him if this line gets any tighter, although 120 is already justifiable play of a number as is. Um, Justine Keish plus 240. Tracy Cortez minus 280. Pretty steep, but stylistically, this is going to be a hard one for Keish to upset. Uh, I, I think Cortez should be able to hold uh, dom more dominant positions despite Keish being more of a scrambler. Uh, and uh, Cortez to get off more of the meaningful offense against Keish, who doesn't wear offense, much less produce offense as well on the floor, but doesn't wear offense as well. Merrick, he'll throw off to an older joke. She can kind of look like a little, there's like a picture of her. She looks like Reagan from The Exorcist. I love Justin Keish, by the way. But uh, taking Tracy Cortez here. Next fight, Luis Pena minus 150. Alex Munoz plus 130. Took Munoz and staff picks. I'm going to stick to it. Um... 
I'm kind of glad that he hasn't had a fight in a while, but the fact that he uh, survived Naspak has perhaps a southpaw, I think he could survive a less potent, a less powerful, a less process-driven, less options of a fighter in Luis Pena. Even if Luis Pena does bring his aid game, I still feel like his A game needs to be on wrestling security or at least the ability to scramble, as Luis Pena seems to be one of those funk guys who is okay with giving the takedown and kind of working from there. Um, against a guy like Munoz, who I don't have his wrestling credentials offhand, but if he is the wrestling coach of Team Alpha Male, just like similar to Fiziev, you gotta suspect they're pretty decent in that area. Um, and he will dictate, and even though there's a lot to be desired from the striking, he is older, but still young enough, slash young enough in his career, where there can be improvements, hence why I liking the time off for Munoz to potentially show those improvements. think he's got the intangible factor on his side as well. I will go with him as an underdog, still not sold on Violent Bob Ross. Um, I'll probably be sprinkling on him. Next fight, Alexander Romanov, minus 140, plus 120, Juan Espino. Not sure why this line is this low. It was even lower. It was opened up to even. You guys know I've been big on Romanov. Uh, didn't watch tough, and Espino barely fights, and he's old, and apparently he's a grappling specialist, but I think Romanov's still going to roll here, so I may just lay the chalk on Romanov. Um, but warning, I did not research Juan Espino. Um, but there's also a reason between him not fighting and the level that he fights at, so... You know, maybe it's a blind spot at heavyweight, you know, where there's so much technical gold untapped. But anyways, geez, Dan, stop shitting on heavyweights. Tony Gravely, minus 325. Anthony Burchek, plus 265. I like Anthony Burchek, man. Soft spot for him. Shout out to the Verbal Tapcast, one of my favorite cat podcasts. <coughs> um, uh, yeah, um... Also, shout out to the Verbal Tap Podcast. They're one of the few podcasts in the space that will actually talk about issues like that I talked about off the top and uh, make me feel less bad when like those issues, especially knowing the politics of most grapplers and knowing those guys are, are waiting in. I can only imagine the backlash they get, so thank you guys for doing that. They've had Anthony Burchak on multiple times, who's a great co-host. Saul's got a soft spot for that guy, but I'm going to take Gravely here, although the chalk is it's dogger pass at this point due to the numbers. I get it. Picking Gravely. But I ain't touching those that chalk. Next fight, uh, Lupita Godinez, minus 275. Uh, Jessica Penny, plus 235. Pretty sure this inflated from opener and maybe even open slash inflated from the original. Uh, when it, original booking, which I get. This is a classic, you know, fade the layoff, fade the older fighter in that case. I get it. I get it. You know, MMA gamblers, dicks get hard when it comes to fading older fighters. And, um... Uh, I like Jessica Penny. Got a soft spot for her, but pick his goodness. Um, Abdul Razak Al Hassan minus two ninety. Jacob Malkoon plus two forty five. Malkoon Brown belt in Jiu Jitsu trains with Robert Whitaker, but as we see, um, this is kind of a spot where Razak Al Hassan can come out in his vintage form, and we will learn nothing about him. Uh, and hell no, am I paying chalk for Razak Al Hassan even in this spot? But he is the pick. Next fight, uh, Josiani Nunes, minus 115, Ferrazarin plus... I think this fight's off, actually, because Ferrazarin missed weight, so uh, nothing there. Apologies, folks. Not a lot. Spent more time talking about current events and stuff, but considering I never talk about those things, and there's actual meaning and disproportionate amount of lack of talk, um, I feel like I had to. Hey, you know, I probably cost myself some listeners, but... You know, I guess I didn't need those anyway. So if you're still listening, congratulations. You passed the compassion, empathy, uh, caring for your human being test. So congratulations. Um, again, I apologize, folks, even though I shouldn't. 
I really want to just get back to normal. I just want to break down fights. But if people in this space are going to keep promoting, injecting, you know, uh, hate, politics, racism, where it doesn't belong, as racism and hate don't belong anywhere, obviously, then your boy here is going to have a problem with that. It has nothing to do with politics. I don't care about politics, I should say. Strike that. It's never been. That's one thing that's been consistent. My issues have only been when people of color or women um, are unfairly targeted. I'm sorry if you have such a problem with that. If you don't, you're probably still listening, so thank you guys. You guys are the gold human beings. Those of you who listen, communicate with me on the YouTube channel in the comments. Thank you. In my DMs, I appreciate you. I try to get back as fast as I can. I don't care what side of the spectrum, what color you are. I love you guys. I really do. It's not fake bullshit. It's, it's genuine solidarity I want here. And I will try to move more toward compassion, although I express a little more empathy. Either way, good luck with your picks and plays. Hashtag stop Asian hate. And always protect your neck.